for episode 157 of Friends of Film, where we bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is If Beale Street Could Talk. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Good, and this week I'm joined by Josh Daly. Hello, everybody. At last, we are back. We are. Happy New Year. I yes. hope everything has gone well for all of you and my Cooper. How are you? How are you? <laughs> my I was going to say my co-host, but I don't feel like I have the right to call you that. Oh, why not? Uh, I don't know. We're co-hosts. Like we are, but you do more work than I do. That's true. So I kind of avoid saying that. Okay. So <laughs> Only I, I call, can call you my co-host? Right. I, I, I'm just the co-host. Okay. I feel like gotcha, it's more gotcha. appropriate. But how's your new year gotten so It has far? been great. I've only seen one movie in theaters, so it is not off to a great start <laughs> in that regard. And that's Beale, right? Yes. It's what oh, we're wow. going to talk about. And it's not even a 2019 release, so it's just like we got so much to look forward to. Well, so. I think that puts you on par with me because this is the only movie I've seen in the new year, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I went on vacation uh, mm-hmm. at the end of last year, and so then I marathoned a ton of new releases that are like Oscar contenders or stuff I needed to get through because yep. I was worried they are going to be out by the time I got back. And uh, I did that the day before I left, and then when I went and saw Beale Street uh, a couple of days ago, that was the first time I've been in theater in like two weeks, which is probably the longest that has happened to me in like the three years we've been doing this podcast. Oh my goodness. Which is officially, this is three years through. This is year four of this Friends and Film. This is year four? Yes, right, because December 26th. Yeah, something like that. Or 27th. That was, was the that first was, episode. That was episode one. Wild. For episode seven of Star Wars. and Crazy We've stuff. made it all the way potentially <laughs> right. to the end of the trilogy that'll come out this December, mm-hmm. which we already talked about in our 2019 most anticipated episode, right. uh, which was technically the last episode of 2018, but it also dropped on New Year's Eve. So mm-hmm. it's kind of our 2019 first episode as well. But this is the first time we're back in our booth, quote unquote, recording. Right. And uh, it's, it's going to be back. It's been a while. It is. It has been way too long. That's for sure. Um, do you, before we get like really into everything, do you have any new year's resolutions personal movie related or anything like that uh, you want to share sure i think well i kind of had the same new year's resolution personally that i had last year all which right. is kind of broad and kind of dumb and just mm-hmm. like all right this is kind of a cop answer but just to be better okay like just to be a better uh brother a better podcaster better writer uh better critic better uh employee mm-hmm. better in all aspects of life, just so yeah. that way you're just constantly improving upon yourself and you're not looking back at, oh, man, the good times right. back then. No, you can make the good times now mm-hmm. and you can continue to improve on yourself. So that that is my personal goal. If I achieve that, we'll okay. see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the idea of like just like being extra a little more whenever you like get to a point where like I'm done. No, wait, go further. Right. It's just yeah. like you, you can never be done. You can always just continue to mm-hmm. evolve and grow and learn and uh, – continue to do new things for sure okay i think movie related movie or related cinematic or creative arts well i kind of teased one on twitter when i did my end of the 2018 counts mm-hmm. where i watched uh i think at that time i was at like 118 119 uh new releases in 2018 i want to top that somehow in 2019 but yeah. larger i want to broaden my film horizons more going back and watching older movies or just seeking out uh, new stuff as well, um, especially from like diverse filmmakers, because I think that's something that's important. And um, whether it's finding more female directors, because I feel like that's an area that I just, I feel like I only know a handful of female directors I can nail off the top of my head, but there's obviously a lot more out there and I want to kind of seek their work out or other um, diverse names out there as well. 
And then also, even if those movies or movies by whoever they may be don't look exactly like my cup of tea, I still want to like kind of push myself to check those things out anyways. Yeah. Like, because maybe there'll be a really pleasant surprise or uh, maybe I'll learn something or even if I hate the movie, there's still something I can take away from it. So sure. uh, I, I want to give those weird movies that I probably would look away um, in years past. I want to still give those films a chance and uh, just kind of building off that and not let like the critical consensus take me away from certain movies too much. I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Like I didn't go see happy time murders because it got just destroyed, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, other ones I still want to like make sure. All right. Well, even I was interested before I should go see whether or not it it worked for me. But what about for you? Awesome. Um, Oh, for, okay. For me, I didn't know that you were going to ask me this. Oh, come on. Uh, Okay. No, I got this. I got this here. All right. I have one personal one. It's a little bit lame too, but I'm going to, whether I'm ready for it or not, run my first half marathon. Wow. By June of this year. That's um, big. Yeah. So I am getting ready for that. That's my like my personal slash fitness one that uh-huh. I've got here. But also somewhat related to yours, I have a movie one as well, and it is to watch 20 movies, no matter what, from before 1970. Because okay. I don't think I can even say I've done 20 now, and I want to like look it back at the origins of film. Right. Because It's a Wonderful Life and Casablanca are the only <laughs> two I can name off the top of my head. That's it. So like getting into things like North by Northwest, right? which is the only other one I know. Or like The Last Samurai. Okay, Last Samurai. Like things like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, these like iconic classic, yeah. movies that mm-hmm. all directors draw from. I want to see those. Well, especially Last Samurai. It's a big George Lucas thing. Yeah, so. it's the one, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Of all things. So I want to, I want to dig into that. Okay. And, you know see the og the origins yeah i mean i think that's always important and that's uh, about it that's all i got okay. i would say i would say i would try to watch over 100 new releases but that's not it, it is it's a lot <laughs> it, it is a lot and like even there's people like i know who do this like professionally who are like mm-hmm. saw 80 something new releases i'm like oh yeah <laughs> I, th- I feel like i'm so far behind but then i hear other people oh i saw 300 new releases I'm like you're blowing my mind mm-hmm. how are you doing this uh so i just gotta go right in the middle i guess uh but josh can you tell the people where they can check us out oh, online that is a great question if you'd like to stay up to date on what we're watching and reviewing for this show you can find that out on twitter at friends in film right now we're currently re- um going one by one through our 15 most anticipated for the year yeah i think i've taken a couple days off but we're getting there yeah they'll (laughs) they'll be rolling out through the next week um but also you can get the rest of our shows and reviews and big questions um basically wherever podcasts are found on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher soundcloud spotify but if you can on apple podcasts please rate us and review us because mm-hmm. then that will help rank us and we can find more friends of the show. Yeah. I think that's also maybe a podcast resolution. Ooh. I want to be a little more, uh, have more stuff constantly on social. Got it. I think I lack in that sometimes, but <laughs> you lack in that sometimes. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you should have just been like, Josh, pick it up. <laughs> no, no, no. All no. right. No, type, just type, like type. other, just like, you know, making sure like, even if we're probably not going to talk about the topic on the podcast, we can still share the news or share mm-hmm. photos or posters or just stuff that like our ancillary marketing materials that we're not going to discuss on our main topic section, but still out there. People want to see them and oh, yeah. they can help. They can help us out. And then maybe they'll go give us those reviews that we want so desperately. So anyways, let's it, get into okay. the review. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Enough shop talk. Yeah. We are back in early 2019 with the first 
uh, our, our first review of the year, which is actually a 2018 release. Mm-hmm. The second movie, or not, well, it's his third movie technically, but it's his follow-up to his big breakout of Moonlight. The man I'm talking about is Barry Jenkins. He comes back with If Beale Street Could Talk, the film based on the James Baldwin novel of the same name. Uh, I wrote a review up for the site, uh, once again, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com, which I think will also have some different types of uh, articles out this year besides just strictly Ooh. reviews. But we'll see. We'll see how that develops. Uh, but uh, I wrote up a review. You guys can find it on the website. And I gave this movie a four and a half ticket stub rating out of five because I just was so engrossed into the story of love that Barry Jenkins was able to craft that I think he just shows all of his strengths as a filmmaker where he's able to, I know he's, he's obviously adapting the script and the story Mm -hmm. from the novel, but he's able to, I think just effortlessly show and pull out these romantic performances in his films that I think is not completely unmatched, but it just, I can't think of anybody right now. I'm like, they do this type of story just as well as Barry Jenkins has done in his last two efforts. Yeah. Um, Stephen James and Kiki Lane are the leads. James plays Fonnie, Lane plays Tish. Both of them, um, I've, well, it's Lane's um, feature debut, so big step up for her, and she is really good in this movie. Um, James, I've seen him before in a movie called Race, where he plays uh, Jesse Owens uh, at the Olympics, and he is really good in that as well. And then he's also in Homecoming with Julia Roberts on uh, Amazon Prime, oh, but wow. haven't seen that yet, so I can't say if it's good or not. But James, Lane, both great in this movie. Um, I think their connection and their romantic relationship is so easily digestible like you instantly connect with them from the very first time you see them on screen there's no there's not a lot of dialogue it's just mm-hmm. beautifully shot with these warm colors and you're just like i just i don't know why but i'm drawn to these people yeah and they, they're just a, a short exchange there before we find out that fawny's been sent to prison right. and it's just like oh man that's like a kick in the gut and i think one of the greatest things about this movie especially for me to say is the non- uh, linear narrative that it has mm-hmm. and it works so so well because um, I've, I think one of the aspects of it that I mentioned in my review is that the flashbacks um, for one they can sometimes provide you with a different outlook on the scene that if we would have gotten it in a linear storyline we wouldn't have had like yeah. the Brian Tyree Henry talk when it happens he's talking about how he gets out of jail and how tough it is um, being in there at the time, Fawny obviously doesn't know he's going to go to jail, but mm-hmm. we, the audience, do it. It's so like it makes that scene hit a little better. But then there's also um, Tish is kind of introing a lot of these scenes yeah. through narration, right? And it feels like her memories, and I think that kind of plays up the beautiful, bright colors that they go for, and it just makes like they're all not perfect scenes, but there's a perfect sort of element to them mm-hmm. all, and they really just hit so well that uh, it's just I think so beautifully well done um last thing one last thing i want to mention here before i'll let you get in is i don't think i've ever connected with a movie family as quickly as i have yeah um as in this film where with tisha's family there's something that happens when she's telling fawny's family about her pregnancy Mm -hmm. that you're instantly like yes like i want you to be my family like we are we are together on this journey yeah and it is so i think refreshing and um so well done by Jenkins to deliver that moment and then have it play out. Regina King, great in the movie. Yes. Um, and I'll let you get in here, but I think sound editing is really good. The uh, score is really great as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is just a really phenomenal effort by Jenkins. And I think for me, at least the best 
thing he's done. One million percent agree. Um, you know, if Beale Street could talk, it'd tell Sesame Street to forget about it. You know, <laughs> Sing Street, forget about it. They're, oh, they're, not Sing Street. They're gone. They're done. It's over with. Wall Street, no more. Beale Street's the top street. Beale Street, it's walking here. Um, <laughs> Barry Jenkins takes this movie, which is like a, a story that's I can imagine that you can believe has happened thousands of times over and over. Oh, yeah. A tragedy like this. He places it in front of you and, like, politely asks you to sympathize with these people. These people. Like, sympathize with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Something that's big go, go, goes on, you know, in our life. With And the camera, he just, like he did in Moonlight a few times but didn't really commit to, he sits the camera directly in front has his cast look right into it and it looks like they're looking right into your eyes mm-hmm. and that's just kind of like where the magic of this movie really happens um because like when like you said when kiki lane is staring across um at or well or and steven and kiki um tish and, and Fonny Fonny are looking across each other in one scene and uh across the glass in mm-hmm. prison you can you just drawing all the emotion and the nuances and the subtleties from their performances and you're starting to feel the hope the exasperation and the fear that they're all feeling as you know this movie progresses like through it and that's where like i was apprehensive at the beginning because i didn't like the narrative to start okay i was like uh, i don't know how this is working for me i don't like these jump backs these flashbacks but as we're sitting in these moments which take up, I think the movie could be say you could say the movie takes up like five or six moments mm-hmm. that they, they sit you in, but then they flash back and tell you all the events of how we got to what we're talking about here. Move forward a little bit, same thing. And that's where you, you get like, you know, like you said earlier, you want to be a part of that family. Like, yeah, like I would love Regina King and Coleman Domingo to be my parents or whatever the case <laughs> is. Like, so smooth and fun. And, um, charismatic, but like you, like your review says, I think you call it like another perfect love story or yes. yeah, this movie is the most tender thing I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Like that, those slow, subtle stuff it, you were there for it and you can't help but feel like these two people are in love and through all the things that they go through. And I am, I was blown away. I don't think I had any problems with it at all i mean so you're starting out 2019 i'm starting out 2019 with a five for five with barry jenkins you know giving him 1000 times his budget (laughs) really paid off like you said from that opening shot where they're strolling through um, it's not central park but some park Mm -hmm. and we get this beautiful camera pan and turn till we're finally walking behind them and those like really warm colors you Mm -hmm. talked about oh yeah gorgeous the the look that jenkins and cinematographer james laxton did that was just exceptional Mm -hmm. and Um, i'm willing to say that barry jenkins has the most gorgeous movie of 2018 do you think it'd be like a front runner for like cinematography or something? I Oscars? think it should be a cinematography front runner. I, really I don't do. know if I can totally disagree. I mean, I think first man should be up there still. Uh, yes, of course. Um, but yeah, there's obviously other stuff. As Once well, you get but, there, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, this is one of those movies. That I literally, it's like the last 
kind of big release to come out in 2018 mm-hmm. um, in terms of award season stuff. It didn't get any real uh, love at the Globes because it had kind of been already, it was so late in the game of being released that there wasn't enough push behind it. But now mm-hmm. that it's out, it's expanded to theaters. We've got it. Other people have got it. There's screeners out there. Uh, I really hope that this is one that with Oscar voting currently happening right now, more people are checking out and it gets Jenkins in the best director conversation or it gets best cinematography, mm-hmm. best picture. Regina Hall gets in there, the score. Um, I think this movie can really, I don't know if it'll go all the way and win, but I think it's really deserving of a lot of these nominations. Um, and since you mentioned you didn't really have any problems with it, the one problem I had with um, Beale Street was just that some of the family storylines, they just kind of like disappeared. Taper off? Yeah, like okay. I, I kind of wanted more at the end like we get to see without getting into well i guess we'll move into spoilers so i can just yeah, talk about yeah. it fully let's, let's open up here um so with like the father mm-hmm. uh like we see him and then fonny's father like you know stealing clothes and selling things on the back streets mm-hmm. and to get more money to pay for the lawyers and stuff for Fonny's trial and that's like all we see of them we don't see anything else after that how they've felt about it how anybody else is feeling about it we just get to hear tish's monologue or her narration over that scene saying like yeah you know the dads are doing this they think i don't know but i know obviously mm-hmm. uh, so i wanted to maybe know a little bit more about that or one final scene with regina hall or regina king because we just get her scene in puerto rico is her last scene of the movie yeah which is a great scene but i'm like oh maybe one like one other thing um and then there's just a little also i maybe want a little more resolution to the case itself because like obviously Fonny didn't rape that girl, but like who did? How did that all play out? Like I feel like they're setting up for Ed Scrine, the cop, to be the guy who did rape the girl. I don't know if that's just me just thinking Ed Scrine with his molestache looks <laughs> just way too much like the culprit there. But uh-huh. I, I wanted a little maybe one or two answers about mm-hmm. the case since we get to see Fonny in prison. Maybe show us why or how or just give that final punched because i think this movie as well as plays with the romance jenkins is also touching on how the judicial system is corrupt and how um at this time but then also still in the present day Mm -hmm. uh black people can just have they just they're the they just take the fall for a lot of this stuff because they don't have any other choice in some instances so i think that he missed maybe one opportunity to really send you off feeling like oh man yeah but that's like really it the, the the movie perfectly opens up this lane where Jenkins can be like can sort of like veer into and say hey stop this or think about this criminal justice reform whatever the case is mm-hmm. but instead it just sort of leaps forward five years and says here's where Fonny and Tish are now yeah and it's a really it's a really sweet moment to end on but it's also tragic as well and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I, I think I can I can agree with some of that yeah it's not major but it's just like oh I've I just want maybe a little more of the ending to really send it all the way home. Sure. For me, but yeah. Um, when did you realize Fonny wasn't getting out? Um, when you wasn't, there wasn't going to be a happy ending for this. I don't know if I ever really like, I don't know if I was, I wasn't really thinking that far ahead, I guess like mm-hmm. this movie credit to it. Like it felt like I was just like watching or I was like looking through the window at a family's like living their life and yeah. like, I'm just along for the ride. I wasn't thinking, all right, where is it going to end? What's happening next? I was just kind of enveloped in the story and just watching it, waiting to see what happens next. I mean, there's no like really big twists or turns or anything in the case. Um, it's just mainly that like, Oh, you look, the, the, the girl who said you raped her, she went to Puerto Rico. We can't find her. You got to go there. Like, it's all pretty 
simple and straightforward and the and how that case plays out but you know I think I was just really I wasn't really looking forward. Did you mm-hmm. have a moment like that? Yeah, where... as soon as as soon as Catherine or Maria, I think Maria started was talking to um uh Cher, Regina King's character, mm-hmm. um the girl who'd been accused of rape and fled to Puerto Rico. She's like moves away from King and then starts to light up a cigarette and I'm like, "Oh, this movie doesn't have a happy ending." Or like there's there's no going to be no satisfaction and however this thing kind of like plays out or ends. And then like when she had all, then she had her breakdown and then Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yep. Whatever happens, he's stuck there for sure. Yeah. And that's the next time we see Fawny and Tish um, talking, that's when he has his like, uh, his breakdown, right? Is that where he like gets mad at her? Or is that before when they need the money? That's before when they need the money. This time, this is when she's breaking the news to him Mm -hmm. that they'd found her and she wasn't going to help them. And he's beaten up, oh, and yeah, scarred, yeah, yeah. and skinny, and but like, they don't like I, the one part I love about that. Like they don't like talk about like what happened to him. Like right. it's just all like left up to your imagination. The like the horrors of prison. Mm-hmm. Because like the the flashback before that, like that the um the vignette of their past is him saying, "You don't worry about me, I'll worry about you, mm-hmm. and we'll be fine together." And then the next scene is her not saying a word about his bloody eye, cut lip, and you know bruised forehead. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it all it all all the pieces just fit perfectly together. Well, like, and they they play a different part of that like idea earlier when they're meeting when she has like a contraction and the baby kicks. It's not really clear, I guess, what's happening. Mm-hmm. But like, she is like in pain. He freaks out, and then she like you know gets control and she's fine. And she's like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Am I am I okay? Like, are you okay?" Like, yeah, <laughs> like he <laughs> right. just like you're the one that's almost on the floor right there. Yeah, what did yeah what did he say? There's a, there's, a, there's a really funny line in there where he's like, "You you got mugged by a baby or something yeah. like that or something like the baby inside of you like just took you down or whatever the case is." But that's the other uh, thing. Like this movie has like laugh out loud and like moments of oh, comedy. Yeah, like it's it's not like super funny, like funniest movie of the year. But mm-hmm. like they they definitely like there's get some... their they get their laughs in. Yeah, absolutely. The um. The the first meeting with the family together. Oh my gosh! Is well, it's it's not explicitly funny, but you watch them argue and celebrate, or mm-hmm. they, you watch them celebrate and, and you know announcing the pregnant Tish's pregnancy, and then it gets really really sharp and edgy, and people are insulting each other, and it ends with like an, a slap. Fawny, Fawny's mom says things I don't have no idea yeah. how anybody could ever say to another person, mm-hmm. and and words that I mean uh, yeah. I don't, <laughs> And where's the our rating of our podcast rating won't let us go into. <laughs> yes. But you're just like, oh, snap. And I had I had the joy of being in the theater with an audience who was into the movie, like as much as I was. So we were just, you hear, ooh, ah, oh, no. Like, they, so what was the reaction? Because like, I saw it with like, there were like four other people in my theater. Yeah. So it was like totally quiet totally the entire empty. way. Oh. For, the, for the most part. Oh, yeah. It was like you were watching some drama play out on reality TV or something, you know, things like that. We're so everybody gasped when, gasped this, when, the, when the slap and came. And we're just like, ooh, ooh that was a good yeah. burn, things <laughs> like that, um, as they were going through. So, yeah, that, totally great moment. Yeah. I, I, I really don't know what else to talk about. What? No, we I'm have kidding. we have to talk about my favorite part of the movie was that I knew nothing about the cast of this movie. Oh yeah, in. yeah, we had to talk about this. But so every twenty minutes or so, 
I was elated to find <laughs> one of my favorite people is in this movie. Um, first, there's Diego Luna, yes. who shows up as, uh, I guess he's a bartender, restaurant yeah. owner, um, sort of like a salsa restaurant, Mexican mm-hmm. restaurant, I think. Also, it could have been Italian, too. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't clear. <laughs> sure, but they serve margaritas, and I know those are at both locations. Uh-huh. Either one. He's this really great person, friends. With, oh, yeah, no, it was definitely... Mexican because they were speaking Spanish. Right, but the, the decor looked Italian. It did look Italian. I swear I heard like Dean Martin being played. <laughs> but whatever the case was, he shows up. Then, if that wasn't enough, lumbering down the street, hugging Fawny, is Brian Tyree yeah. Henry. And like when I saw him, my reaction was Fawny's reaction. I'm just like, hey, give, hey. give me a hug, big guy. And loved that. He is, he is such a good like inclusion. Because oh. like, not that the movie like got like too serious or dramatic or anything mm-hmm. but like when he comes in and you're just like yes Brian Tyranny yes love this then he gets really serious yes. and dark and brooding and you're like Brian Tyree Henry is actually a phenomenal actor oh, yeah. he is not just some guy trying to act no he's not just, like he's not like just living off of his atlanta credit no no i think i mean i've seen people say like he deserves like a best supporting actor nomination for that 12 minute scene alone yeah it is stellar but then if that wasn't enough dave franco that's the only one i had a little bit of a problem with you you did take you out of the movie a little bit it, a little bit too but when him and fanny are moving tiff's yeah that was stuff so good into the into their loft apartment I'm their like, imaginary oh, stuff <laughs> yeah exactly it was just like so cute and that's like one of those like tender small moments where you're like yeah I really love this couple. And then he's like, tells them at the top of the roof. He's like, no man, like you guys can move in here. I mean, I know it's not much, but yeah, you guys look happy and in love. It was just like, Can't it was wait. like Dave Franco. I think he's like, like he has the ability to be a good dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. He just needs to stop being Dave Franco. Exactly. <laughs> he, he like, he just, even, yes. even though he, he like, he's going for the Jewish, like look and everything. Like he just, he still sounds and looks exactly like Dave Franco. And it's like, even his line where he's like, Hey, you know what, man? Like, Black, white, red, green. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about the color. Love is love. I'm like, oh, that's such like a Dave Franco line. I, that I know. It was- <laughs> I hear his 21 Jump Street character I know. telling that to me. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe With like he- his Robert De Niro impression. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> right. He just needs maybe a little bit more of like a vocal coach change. Yeah. That like, would- I just need a little, a little different like, yeah, Dave like, Franco. Dave Franco's great. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, like you said. But. None of this. The cream de la cream. The biggest surprise for me <laughs> is my main man, the the best person ever, Pedro Pascal, just sliding into a booth in Puerto Rico and telling Regina King that his sister, his daughter, his relative, unclear, unclear, somewhat for me. family related person. Yes, I kept thinking that too. Um, Maria was not available to be seen unless until she was, but I'm like. How many great people are in this? Oh, and then there's uh, Finn uh, Whitrock. Or... Yes, is the lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm okay on him. I'm lukewarm. He's fine. He's he's great in his he's really nervous good at, he's, lawyer yeah. attitude. Um, but I swear, when he was um, elbowing with the big wigs because of the case he had taken mm-hmm. on, I thought the first shot on the left corner was the profile of Adam driver. I was like, <laughs> what is he in this movie? And then they and went then to a wasn't. front Then they went to it. Yeah. A different, they cut to a different angle. I'm like, Oh, that's not Adam driver. Yeah. Never no, mind. like the, the funny thing is like, whereas like you like, obviously didn't know about any of those people being in the mm-hmm. movie I, when they popped up. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like 
the Variety article popping up in my like timeline and be like, Dave Franco joins Barry Jenkins' new movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's cool. Forgot all about it. And same thing with Diego, with Diego Luna, uh, Pedro Pascal. Like, I knew these guys were in the movie, and then I just wasn't – Like, I think it's another one maybe it's because sure. I was so just like – wrapped up in the story that I wasn't thinking about. Oh yeah, where's you know, where's Pedro Pascal? Like, mm-hmm. the movie's almost over probably, mm-hmm. like he hasn't right. been here. What's going on? And it's like, oh yeah, he's in this, Dave Franco. Like it's 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 so good. Absolutely. All pleasant surprises. Um but yeah, I think uh it's there I mean, I think the slap conversation, everything around that scene is probably the best scene in the movie. Agree, disagree? Yes. Uh, no. The best scene in the movie for me is Terry Henry. No I, no, I love that one too. Ooh. But for me, where I really just got up in my feels was when they were moving into the loft and then the reaction afterwards. His reaction afterwards. They scream in, sh- in the streets. Yeah. yeah, where he's screaming in the streets. And that really drove home that entire sequence there and then after and then with the scuffle with um, the guy in the supermarket mm-hmm. afterwards really drove home the idea of like what the movie's, the movie's title. If Beale Street could talk, all of these dramatic things are happening outside on the street mm-hmm. and it's sort of like if the streets could talk this is what they have seen yeah this love story these tragedies these emotions and everything like that and um like when he threw the bag at the wall and the tomatoes splatted against it mm-hmm. it's like okay that kind of like brought it all home for me yeah but there's no topping that lost scene because i just thought that was the sweetest thing well, I, I think that's a good pick um and then lastly you got to end it with Josh Traley, will you ever watch a five out of five if Bill She Could Talk again? I will not watch it by myself. I okay. will show it to people. Good choice. I think. Um, and watch it with them. Because I I really do think this is a special movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this is one I would return to on my own. Okay. Fair enough. Well, on that note, that is if Bill Street could talk. Four and a half ticket stubs for me. Five and a half, five whole ticket stubs. Mm-hmm. I almost went five and a half. Give it a whole a- half One, extra. Two, three, four, five. Five ticket stubs from Josh Straley. We both love it. Go check it out in theaters now. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news as always going to start with our three main topics this week kicking it off with an avengers endgame story because it's 2019 my most anticipated movie of the year we're going to talk about it a lot because you guys can't stop me uh but really there's actually a really interesting quote that came from kevin feige as he talked to mtv um i believe it was at the golden globes where the interviewer asked Kevin feige about the marketing plan mm. for avengers endgame because there's been some rumors out there that they're not going to show anything past the first 15 or 20 minutes Josh Horowitz, the MTV interviewer, asked him if I get this is accurate. And he said, quote, it's somewhat accurate. So we may go just beyond this. We may get one scene past it, two scenes past it. Um, but it looks like for the most part, Avengers Endgame's marketing will not show anything past the 20-minute mark of this movie, roughly. Is this a great idea? It's a great idea. But how are they going to do that? Because nothing really good happens in the first 20 minutes of most movies, you know? Especially this one where it looks like it's going to be dark and yeah. sad and serious to start. Where's where's the action shot of like Iron Man 
punching Thanos in the face that they're going to sell the movie with. We don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get it. I, if See, that's what I don't trust. I don't believe them. I don't believe them. There has to be that, you know, that lineup, that money shot, that Infinity War, we're ready to clash yeah. with you type thing. And maybe that's the, like the one where he's like, it's somewhat accurate because right. we have to give you the shot. Yes. Which, because like so far, that is like not having that money shot in that first Endgame trailer mm-hmm. is one of like the biggest swerves Marvel's ever done with an Avengers trailer. Right. All the other trailers, they had the first money shot in the first Avengers trailer. Age of Ultron. Like, I think I like, started off with the leaping side shot. And then obviously yeah. Infinity War, we got the fake one because they're like, we need one. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a fake one here. I don't know. Right. Use it again. Toss Hulk in. Who <laughs> yeah. gives a care? Use the exact same one, but like put them on Titan or in the quantum <laughs> realm, take out Black Panther and all the dead people and you just throw in Captain Marvel running. You're like, why does she run? She can fly. And it's like, oh, don't, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Like, it's just, it's, all, it's okay. And, uh, but I honestly think that like, if they can stick true to this, which obviously remains to be seen because we got, we again at least a second trailer, mm-hmm. um, like maybe at the Super Bowl and then right. probably some other announcement trailer for like tickets on sale today. Um, but then it's really going to be up to those TV spots, those pesky TV spots that I don't think yes. they have as much control over because that was kind of the thing that's always – whenever TV spots start rolling out, that's where I try to stay oh, clear yeah. as much as possible. because They spoiled episode seven and eight for me, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing no trailers only, trailers right. only. And then I'm seeing TV spots of like the, the throne room fight. And yep. I'm like, no, hide those from my eyes. But I still caught a few of them anyway. And I was like, all right. Yeah, because it's like – uh, for Infinity War, like I remember, like the first, like both those trailers, they the trailers from Infinity War show you a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. They show you a lot of the plot. They show you kind of where this whole thing's going. Um, I don't think Endgame's trailer does that at all. But Infinity War's TV spots also continue to show more moments. They showed like one scene in particular. I remember watching and be like, dang it. Mm. Didn't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to know when that happens. Uh, was when he, Thanos is actually getting onto uh. Vormir, the planet that has the soul stone, yeah. and he's stepping out of the portal, and he's got, like, four infinity stones on his gauntlet. I'm like, no! Right. Like, obviously it's going to happen, but there's still, like, that part of me like, well, maybe he only gets four of them this movie, and then the yeah. part four is about them getting the last two, or well, what? A, something. We've heard throughout last year, throughout the last six months of last year, that the marketing for this new movie is going to be different in a lot of ways. That's correct. Perhaps that means that these TV spots and these Twitter ads, these Facebook videos are going to be um, compilations of the past. Maybe. And maybe that's the way they could get away with that and then show you one like, all right, here's Iron Man getting his, you know, classic iconic suit Mm -hmm. that we've seen art for and things like that. What if they... Don't do that, but instead of like, all right, we're only going to show you the first 15, 20 minutes, instead of like giving us a second trailer that just basically has like the extra second of scenes we've already seen before, uh-huh. it's like, oh, now we get to see Cap stand all the way up, <laughs> or we get to see Ronan turn all the way around. Um, what if they like just show like full on scenes? There's What's the rumors about a prologue video getting dropped? Uh, is there anything true? Anything true to those? I don't know. I just saw something floating around Reddit that was like, "Oh, they're actually going to have like an alien-like prelude video that actually that to do a stand-in for what we're going to miss." That's possible. That's possible. I haven't heard anything about that, but it does line up, I think, with that different marketing approach Mm -hmm. and 
I think the footage they'll show, it will just be a, a little longer, a little different, and not like typical trailers where trailers are, here's quick cuts, here's the action, here's yeah. all the set pieces. But what if they just give you like the whole, here's this entire scene that's going to get you hyped up. Instead of having to go to Kimball or Kimmel or Colbert or Fallon, we get those character scenes or whoever's running cover on late night that mm-hmm. they take those clips with them we get those only stitched together a lot longer yeah that'd be sweet i would dig that but either way i think as long as like i think kevin feige marvel mm-hmm. their marketing team they understand what they got here like oh, yeah the end game trailer like w- w- there's, there's not a lot of breakdown <laughs> like it's usually gotta just like look at it there's like a couple things you could really dive in get like mm-hmm. really stretch things out into spoilers or theories territory but i think for the most part they know that like everybody's still buzzing about the snap how infinity war ended and mm-hmm. we're five months away or four months away that's crazy we're four months away from Endgame hitting theaters i don't think we really need to give everybody the money shots give yeah. us maybe a shot of thanos putting on his battle armor again it's like oh snap Thanos, that would be good. Thanos is like gearing back up for round right. two, or you give us, or maybe you give us the Iron Man new armor or something sure. like that. But like, I don't, I don't want them to show if there's those white time travel suits. I don't want to see those in the marketing. I don't want to see them going to different points in the timeline and mm-hmm. having to put on their different costumes and explain all that. I don't need to know. I think that's all in the movie, but I don't want to see that stuff in the marketing. Yeah. It, it, besides, it wouldn't translate well because the logic of telling people time traveling and things like that outside of it is too difficult for trailers anyway. Yeah. Because there could be nuances and you can't get nuances in trailers. Right. You'd have you need to... explosions, love, and <laughs> someone to hate. And well, that's like, it. I think, as, I, the, I think the genius of that first Endgame trailer was how they showed, like, this is not good for the heroes. Right. They are all on the verge of death yeah. or they're in tears or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think they can continue to play that up that's the best way to market it. Cause then it's not like, Oh, they, they're doing this to save the day. It's like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. That's the driving narrative instead of, Oh, I think because of this and this and this, that's how they yeah, do it. It's, it's been very aware of where they are at. Mm-hmm. So let's move on then to Star Trek four, uh, because we may not actually have that movie anymore. Uh, deadline reported this week, um, because SJ Clarkson has been hired to helm the, uh, game of Thrones prequel series at HBO. That's, that has in turn shelved Star Trek four at Paramount. So not good news, obviously for the Star Trek franchise. Um, John Cho was then asked by ET, like, you know, about those reports, what it meant. He's basically like, I don't think it's happening right now, but I hope it does. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just me being hopeful, but I hope it does. Um, so it doesn't look great for Star Trek four. I think the last time we talked about it was either about Clarkson or it was about Pine and Hemsworth leaving i think they had a writer brought on with clarkson i'll double check but that is about all i can remember um because it was clarkson and then it was tarantino mm-hmm. and then it was chris pine and hemsworth want to be paid they want to get paid top dollars and they're like no per, thanks yeah and it's like okay well now they're done um so yeah the last time we talked about it was episode 136 pine and hemsworth not returning wow really okay. so it's been a while obviously and i think that this just goes to show that they have not made <laughs> any progress on this front it's a little bit sad that chris pine's gonna lose a franchise yeah um because they're not gonna revive this with the same cast after it's all over i can almost feel that you think this is 
the last straw. This is it. I think it's. I think. I think this is it. The last movie underperformed at the box office, even though I was enthralled so by good. it. I've been like me Justin Lin it forever. Blew me away, but you know when it gets down to it, it made like what three hundred million or something like that, or four hundred million, something abysmally yeah. low. Not not a lot. Yeah, exactly. So while I'll mourn the loss of a J.J. Abrams revived franchise, and you know all of the potential fun that we could have had with a Clarkson Hemsworth Pine movie, mm-hmm. um, you know Chris Pine will also be free to do a lot more exciting and interesting stuff. True. Because the dude is exciting and interesting. Um, and that's about all my piece. Okay. I know we're going to lose um, Zachary Quinto's Spock, which was sort of a bright spot. Yeah, lose, uh, I mean, I think kind of the, it's not like fitting to say goodbye, but like there would have been like that strange part of this next one without Anton Yelchin. Yeah. Um, that's the big one. But like obviously I still would have loved to see a fourth movie with Hemsworth back and how the different uh, Kirks have to like, interact with one another like that storyline like especially with hemsworth now in his comedy role yeah like i think clarkson could have had so much fun directing those two Mm -hmm. on screen together because they've really moved beyond their self-seriousness as actors and are sort of embracing we're okay if we look like idiots right now like carl urban and zachary quinto are like the straight men of that cast and then john cho is bigger now than ever Mm -hmm. um it's like just imagine what role he would have gotten in this new movie. Um, and right. yeah, Star Trek Beyond only made $343 million worldwide on a reported $185 million production budget. So if anything, it is like just squeaking by to cut even, which I don't, I don't think it would. So it, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And I think it's just kind of brings us to the question of well, what's, what's next for Star Trek. I mean, they have TV shows that they're developing mm-hmm. out of the wazoo for CBS all access. But other than that, We've got the Quentin Tarantino R-rated thing that's been floating out there for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, maybe close to a year now. Yeah. Um, but is is that the direction that you go, or do you just go full on reboot in like five years? You just live on TV. Just let it go. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I know it wouldn't be five years. You'd have to wait a decade or so. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, if you can reboot Batman in three years, I think you can. <laughs> yeah, reboot or Spider Star Trek. or Spider Man in three yeah. two, um, or you get Picard. To the big screen again. Use him, but he's getting his own series. I know. I think you take the series and I think you move it to the movies. That'd be interesting. Who wouldn't want to? Who'd pass up Patrick Stewart? I'm okay, I guess a lot of people. I maybe. mean, I'm like Star Trek is one of those things that like I've never watched anything beyond this this J.J. Abrams franchise. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but I want to watch like Star Trek Discovery. It looks interesting. Like I like that cast. But then it's also like I love Patrick Stewart. Like I want to see his old stuff and then right. watch the new series. But it's just like. That's like four different TV shows, 27 seasons of content, uh, 18 movies or whatever it may be. It's like there's so much Star Trek out there. I feel like I'm just so far behind I can never get caught up. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. And I will, I'll never really truly ever embrace Star Trek is my thing. So You're Team Star Wars. I'm Team Star Wars till you, I die. You could you could be both. I could, No, you can't be both. You're, you're, you're entrenched in that war, I guess. I'm entrenched in that war. Um. Okay, so reboot. That's Star Trek's future. Yes, I think I think so as well. But in another decade or so. I, I don't think that Quentin Tarantino movie is ever going to happen. That's no. just more like a, sure, we'll pay some screenwriter to work with Quentin Tarantino, get people talking about our right. franchise still mm-hmm. while we figure out what's next. Like, But, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm trying to think what could be like the instance where like Paramount is just like, all right, we got to do it. Like The, tw- the Tarantino movie? No, the Star Trek 4. Star like, Trek 4? Is, is there anything... That could happen. Like J.J. Abrams buys the rights to it or 
co-produces it and directs it and casts after start after star wars 9 mm-hmm. gets like two billion dollars worldwide yep he's like you know guys i'd really love to do star trek 4 like i love that cast i kicked it off i've closed now <laughs> i've proven right. it i want to do it again mm-hmm. and I, I, it'd be interesting because i don't know if that if anything i feel like that would only raise the budget if abrams is attached and if paramount's looking to go smaller i don't know if that would work but if you have Abrams, if he could get Pine and Hemsworth back, maybe as they could well go slightly below their quotas. I don't, I don't know. Star That's Trek an option. Four with the time travel premise that they've presented would have to be every Star Trek character and series just colliding in an intergalactic war. Interesting. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know what the script would be like. And, and that's all I've got, really. Okay. But yeah. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Also, I just noticed you have a new iPhone. I do. Very cool. iPhone XS upgrade awesome. over uh, Christmas break. It's very nice. Sorry, that wasn't a great segue. No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't. There's no segue to get into Venom two from Star Trek four. <laughs> there's no. Speaking segue. of speaking of better things or sequels. Tom Hart. Oh, speaking of this means war. The movie that Chris Pine and Tom Hardy did together. Oh yeah. Variety reported this week that Kelly Marcel, the Fifty Shades of Grey and Saving Mr. Banks screenwriter, is coming back to write the entire script for the Venom sequel for Sony. Uh, she joined the pro- she joined the original project late in the game to do rewrites, and apparently, uh, judging by this credit, she is kind of large role in figuring out what that movie is going to be. So now she's getting uh, sole writer credit. On the sequel, she's also going to executive produce the film, and she also reportedly got a, a significant financial bump to serve this role, so good for Kelly. Yeah, um, what a resume, too. It is. It's it's all over the place. <laughs> I know, but like, well, I will say, um, the third film of Fifty Shades of Grey is the best one in terms of story. Have okay? you seen all three? No, okay. but I've only seen the third. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you know how it all ends. You don't know the setup. Precisely. But I'm just going to assume that's the case because she's getting all these screenwriting credits. True, true. Did she do Freed? I thought she did Grey. She did Freed. Oh, okay. Interesting. Anyways, uh, Variety obviously shared that news. She's coming in. But as good of news as that is for those people who liked Venom and want to see it continue on, and it's kind of the inevitable news that we're getting a screenwriter, they also included that the caveat that Ruben Fleischer, the director, may not return because of scheduling with Zombieland 2. I think this is something we've kind of talked about in the past, whether or not it would happen or not. I've always been on the side of, listen, he just made you a movie that made almost $900 million. You just gave him Zombieland 2. I don't know how you turn away from Ruben Fleischer at this point, because it feels like he's in the good graces of Sony. But it appears that may not be the case. So he is coming back. No, he may he, oh. he, he may not come back. Oh, okay. Got you. I thought you were like leading up to like it's oh, not no. the case that he's turning away. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, that was, that was bad on my part, I guess. Oh, you were right. She did do gray. Okay. Okay, that was incorrect. Gonna have there. to go uh, mess with some editors real quick. <laughs> my bad. All right. Um, anyway. Venom 2. Venom 2, great. Temperature check. Happy, sad, I'm hot, s- warm, if cold. We had to, had to, you know, rate it again right now. I'd give it the same number I gave it last time. Which was? It's like four. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was four. Yeah, it was really high. I was I, I thought it was terrific. Um, but there's improvements to be made to make me super happy getting a new director in there who is not afraid to grab Venom by the the goo. By his giant teeth. And, <laughs> or, yeah, by his or fangs. Or by the tongue, probably. <laughs> or whatever the kid, yeah, by the tongue. One thing you can grab. And r- rip it into a new direction. That'd be great. It can only get better. Because I, I really think now that they've done this ridiculous, stupid setup 
because um, I thought the setup was a little bit stupid. Yes, yeah, that was my biggest. Got to get a new wig for Woody. Right, <laughs> that that's a must. <laughs> the corrections there are going to be huge, but this is going to be fun, and I'm going to love it. Hopefully, I think. I think that whether or not Fleischer stays, mm-hmm. I think Venom 2 will be significantly better than Venom. Yeah. I think it will be much better reviewed. It's not going to get a 20-something Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and if that happens, I think this movie's like destined for a billion dollars, which is crazy. And that's obviously why you make this movie. It's why you bring Marcel back. Uh, S.J. Clarkson needs a job. She has, she's doing I know. Games of Thrones. I would love for her to do this movie, though. But speaking she of- she knows how to do detective movies. True. And that's my dream Venom film. That is your dream Venom. What if they get, eh, would it be too, eh, probably wouldn't work scheduling wise, but Kerry Fukunaga <gasps> comes on, true detective boy, oh, after he does goodness. Bond, brings the spy, the detective elements of it together. Yes. That's not happening, but. That would be terrific. I would love that. Ryan Johnson also. I feel like Ryan Johnson would have fun with a Venom movie. I feel yeah probably like the thing but like is, at this point he would take it I think too I don't want Ryan Johnson on Venom <laughs> too like that would if that headline popped up in my feed I would feel like I would be so just like sad <laughs> you'd be sad yeah okay well I guess in like some alternate universe where the last Jedi doesn't make over a billion dollars and like we hate it and critics pan it that's Ryan Johnson's next level, oh yeah his, his next Absolutely. move is a Venom movie but thankfully that didn't wasn't the case but I would just love him to see him work with Tom Hardy. I feel like the, that would just be ridiculous. That, uh, it would, he, that would be something. also a huge fan of um, the detective literature and noir uh-huh. type films. That's kind of what we're seeing with Knives Out. So I don't know. All right. But yeah. But that's obviously the direction you want to go. You want to go uh, detective, Venom, yeah, all like the way. OG, original cut of Blade Runner, like monologue and uh, VO with Venom like interjecting and trying to tell events and steer the, the conversation this way. Because okay. I just think that would be absolutely hilarious. Interesting. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I mean, they're the Sony boys right now. Oh, they're they, the golden boys they are in Sony. The, go- the goodest, the, the best of graces that you can be in, yeah. I think, with the studio probably. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think if they want it, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Is that what they want to do? No. I don't think they're so. Inno- they're innovating. If any, like, I, I think whatever they do next, which I hope is that, they're supposed to do that, like, uh, that, like, Mars sci-fi movie or something. Like, they were, like, that came up, like, like months and months and months ago. With Krasinski? That he was looking at uh, screenwriting no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. It was, like, uh, it was an adaptation of a book, and I think, but it may have been at Fox or something. So I don't know if mm-hmm. it really has any future. Either way, I mean, I just want to see what they're going to do next. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel like they're not going to go that full R rating that a lot of people want to go with Venom. I think they obviously found that this tone, whether critics hate it or not, this fun, action-heavy, uh, you know, oddly like or like odd relationship between yeah. Eddie and the symbiote, contentious, like. That worked for a lot of people, obviously. So I think they're going to want to lean into something like that. And I don't know really where to go. Like, I don't know of any... I can't think of any Sony guys off the top of my head that's like, oh, they'd be great next. I did hear a suggestion on Twitter. I don't remember who it was from. Um, Lay Winnell, jumping off of Upgrade. He did the better version oh, of Venom with yeah. Upgrade. He could just come on here, mm-hmm. just do the exact same thing, but he could use Venom instead of an AI. I think that would be a great choice. I don't think that would happen. Um 
but maybe I'll, I I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah, same here. But I, I mean, other than that, I can't really. Yeah, I'm really gonna know say Kate Cannon, but I know Kate Cannon's already up to stuff. So, oh, Edgar, oh, Venom, Ed, Edgar Wright, he step out of. The possibilities here are endless. Because really you could is. go comedy, you could get a traditional action director. David Leach could come in and do a Venom movie. We'd be like, let's see what this is. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't know. At this point, I feel like Sony knows, I, I, I would think they know, listen, we're not going to change the formula, which is, again, kind of one of those ra- weird reasons why it's weird that they wouldn't bring Ruben back. Right, but I ask you, what is the formula? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but it's whatever they did. Because <laughs> you, could, you could take that, what Venom is, and just contort it into any way you'd want you could go full r with it this time or whatever the case is i think sony could remake venom Mm -hmm. like just use the pre-existing scenes just cut riz ahmed out and you put Woody harrelson in those scenes he shoots for like two weeks gets those scenes in and then you (laughs) just change uh riot to being red and say he's carnage yeah and they would probably make the exact same amount of money nobody would know the difference Uh, i mean i would but (laughs) I see what you're saying, though. Yes, it does. Be- it does become a CGI blob. Yeah. At the end, so. Now I think the big question here before we get out mm-hmm. uh, of the main section, going to the ticker, skip it. Movie's coming out 2020, probably. Yes. It's all indications. That'll uh, be after after Spider-Man: Far From Home comes out mm-hmm. this summer. We don't know Spidey's future technically. That's right. Is he? Is Tom Holland in this movie? No, he's not. I don't think so either. Nope. This is an adjacent series. They're making too much money with Tom Holland as is, and I'm sure they're getting a cut of any of his appearances in probably Marvel movies. I gotta imagine. I don't. The, I don't that deal has got to be so complex. I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows. Yep. It takes twenty lawyers. I'm sure. Yeah. So on that note, let's go to take it or skip it here uh, for the first time of the year, but also the first time we're going to be able to talk about some of these trailers. Uh, for three weeks, which is why a movie like Us got yeah. its first trailer on Christmas Day. We're just not talking about it. Happy Death Day to you. Got a second trailer. Captain Marvel got a special look that aired during the National Championship game. Uh, congrats to Clemson. And then Velvet Buzzsaw also got its first trailer a couple days ago. Josh. God bless the Clemson Tigers. Took down, took down Alabama. No roll tide anymore. Uh, but which of these trailers is your champion? Which one's getting its ticket? Oh, obvi- Us. Gotta ask Hands the question. Down. Gotta yes, ask it. Of course. That's how this yeah. segment works. <laughs> All the tickets showering them with us. Because wow, I did not expect anything that this movie threw at me. Mm-hmm. I was setting it up for some kind of some kind of slow burning, creepy family drama. Instead it's just going uh we can't, we can't say that. It's going <laughs> insane. Bat crazy, if you will. Um there's like these dark visions of themselves that they're going to war with. And the whole trailer from beginning to end is deeply foreboding. But then the last 30 seconds as they come face to face with these shadows of themselves, Mm -hmm. these dark, creepy versions who are trying to attack them. I just don't know what to say at all. I've watched the trailer five or six times and I do not know what is going on in Every scene, once the family shows up outside on their street, mm-hmm. because it's, it's 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 just twisting and turning into all these different things. Jordan Peele's comments make no sense anymore. <laughs> I thought like uh, I thought Lupita Nyong'o was gonna like turn into some kind of giant monster, 
throughout this or whatever the case is. This could happen. I, possibly, but I am I am just I'm disturbed. I don't want to touch scissors anymore. Um, <laughs> There's also a lot of rapids in this trailer. Yeah. Don't know right. the significance of that. And, and it looks like it's all so, sort of surreal and mm-hmm. not, it's, it's extremely nightmarish. Yes. To the point that Get Out, it looks like child's play in a lot of ways. So he, he's clearly taken his $10 million and spent $25 million. $25 million. Last one was $10 million. $25 million. And made the most of it. Yeah. Because this looks like the movie, the horror movie of the year. Every time Lupita Nyong'o does her like weird little laugh cry thing, uh-huh. I'm like, I'm head. like, yeah, I'm like, she's like, I feel like she's getting an Oscar nomination. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't know. I doubt it will happen. Mm-hmm. But like, then again, I mean, Get Out got Oscar nominations. I don't I mean, Lupita is super talented. So that trailer I think is uh, super good. If anything, it's more like looking back at our 2019 list, list. I'm like six. Ugh, should have been, been top five. You had it number three. Mm-hmm. When it changed, when it go up. I, I right now I'm really happy where I landed that thing. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it would go up higher. Honestly, I feel like three is like it's cap for 2019. But then again, I, don't I know. mean, it's hard to overtop the, um, the emotion Star Wars is for And then, himself. obviously, Ryan Johnson got your number one, so. Right. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought Us was a great trailer. I'm going to give my ticket, uh, because you already gave one to Us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. Velvet Buzzsaw. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Us being a wake up, eyes open, and you're like, what is this movie? Velvet Buzzsaw comes in and it's just like, hey, take a look at Us, because you don't know what we are either. It's like, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Dan Gilroy looks like he's going full horror as well. He's got horror icon Tony Collette coming in. Didn't realize that was a part of this movie. I didn't until even know I, this I, movie. Until I watched the trailer the second time. I was like, oh, that's Tony Collette. Holy crap. Um, I was just so focused on Jake Gyllenhaal that first time that I was like, yes, Jake, Jake, Jake. Um, obviously a huge fan of Nightcrawler, a huge fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and I thought this trailer really took me by surprise because I just did, I thought it was going to be like an artsy uh-huh. drama that was like, just like that, nothing really to say or not like a ton of intrigue, but there's like going to be some like mystery about like, oh, where did this painting come from or something? It's mm-hmm. like, no, these paintings are from a guy who's dead and he painted with blood and now they're coming to life and haunting and killing people. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that is so crazy to me. Billy Magnuson's also in this movie and he is great. He's getting attacked by monkeys <laughs> through mm-hmm. a painting. It is so wild. And I think this is kind of one of those shows, like, the first half of it, you're like, okay, okay, right. this is what I expect, I think, and that it just took such a turn that I think it's almost impossible not to be hooked and intrigued and be like, mm-hmm. February 1st, Netflix, I'm there, <laughs> let's do this. Yep. Uh, a thousand percent agree. There's also John Malkovich in there yeah. wandering around. David Diggs is in here yes. as well. Yes. Um, and there's also, I think mean, there's someone else I was trying to think of, but. Oh, and then Rene Russo, obviously. Yes. The Nightcrawler yes. trio come back together. Yeah, so I cannot wait. Yeah. Tony Collette's wig, though, like you said earlier. I think you're forgiven for, like, missing on that because it's just so It's different. so quick. Yeah, well, it's all, like, oh, super yeah. short. And, like, last time we've seen her, whether it's in um, her series on Netflix or Hereditary, um, long brown hair. Yeah. So it was, like, that was, like, wait a minute. What are you? Okay, gotcha. But then when she screamed, she got the Tony Collette scream in there. So mm-hmm. like, okay, yep, that's her. That's her. Um, but let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up our first episode of 2019. Uh, starting with the official title for Bad Boys for Life has been revealed as filming began by Will Smith. 
and it's something that Josh straight up predicted. Josh, what is it? It is Bad Boys for Thrife? Three Life? Life 3. Life 3. Lift 3. Lift 3. The, the E is a 3. Oh, uh, of course. I called sometime Yeah, on the pod? whenever we last, or what would have been in episode 1, it would have been our last, it would have been our Aquaman review episode, yes. right? Okay, that's that when, sounds right. Alexander Ludwig and Vanessa mm-hmm. Hudgens and some other people were cast and we were talking yeah. about it. Listen, I just want to talk real quick how unfortunate this is. It is. Um, it should have been Bad Boys for Life. Yes. Um, for the fourth movie. Yeah, exactly. This should have been like Bad Boys Returns with mm-hmm. the E in Returns yeah. being a three. No, that makes total Hollywood sense. Yeah, exactly. This does not. But And then you could have had done a sequel, teed yourself up. Now your next one is going to be Bad Boys for ever i don't know that, now that, boys bad boys work. for retirement or something <laughs> yeah. i don't know for our pensions yeah, please not, give them to us i mean I, I, I like the overall title of bad boys for life yes it's their catchphrase mm-hmm. you gotta go with it but the three for the e no right. it's too definite it's too, too definite. it's too definite it's too two thousands right uh like maybe huh. even earlier than like 1990s yeah like it's just it's of a different era mm-hmm. and we need to move forward with this franchise um, as we are doing with dune uh thanks to denny villeneuve and we got some casting additions for his remake this week uh starting with variety reporting that dave batista has joined the cast uh, and it was later revealed by the hollywood reporter that he's going to be playing a character called beast rabin the sadistic nephew of a baron who oversees arrakis um and then thr followed up later in the week with another report that stellan skarsgård has joined as the film's villain baron harkonnen Harkonnen. <laughs> so uh, I have seen Dune. Don't remember who either of these characters are. Uh, uh, but either way. Beast is the gingery guy. I don't know his name. I'm not no really idea. Gonna, he's like big and chubby, laughs a lot. Gotcha. I feel like there's like six people that meet that description. Yeah, there is. Because uh, there's also like the pirate guy. Yeah. Too. So either way, Dave Bautista, Skarsgård, they're yes. both great MCU uh, veterans at this point. And... Uh, Obviously, a later on twenty forty nine reunion with mm-hmm. Batista. He's the first one of the cast that also features Rebecca Ferguson, Timothy Chalamet. Yes, that Denny has worked with before, but now we have some other roles to something to figure out. But mm-hmm. so far, this is a great start. This is a great start. I can't wait to see more. Um, it's going to be one of my favorite movies in twenty twenty. Absolutely, and then we what I hope to be. Yeah, hopefully when it comes out in twenty twenty. Um, and then we also got some reports uh, about Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle's sequel, Jumanji three, whatever you want to call it. Uh, THR reported that Aquafina is set to play a key role in the film, and then Variety followed it up by saying that Danny DeVito has also joined. So we got two new possible players, two yep. new characters in this world. We don't know what they're going to be, um, but I'm excited mainly for Aquafina. Yes, absolutely. If anyone's star power is like 2018 did anything for anybody, Aquafina is at the top of the month's watch list for 2020 mm-hmm. or 2019, 2020. Yeah. Whatever project that she's ended up in because she just stole the show in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So I hope that this is like a cheat code where like, oh, here's a new unlocked oh, character. Yeah. And now we get Aquafina mm-hmm. uh, playing the personality of somebody else because that would be so fun. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't, I don't want her to be like the gamer who finds the game and then she's not in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to use her. Mm-hmm, 100%. And then I feel like Danny DeVito is like the villain. That's just a gut feeling. But I like Danny DeVito like being just Danny DeVito. Yeah, too. No, I mean, so do I. But they're like, Sunny with the, or Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah. like, you know, uses him to perfection. He, so. They really do. But I feel like video game Danny DeVito... He could he could make that really work. Yeah, he could penguin it up, I suppose. Yeah, not penguin. Better than penguin. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Then we also got word this week from Mary Poppins Returns director Rob Marshall 
as he was talking to The Sun, he said that there has been talks of a sequel to Mary Poppins Returns. Um, I'm kind of surprised by this, actually, because I thought this could kind of be like a one-and-done movie, and also it hasn't done like gangbusters at the box office. Like, I, I, If anything, I was like, okay, well, they'll do a sequel once the movie makes like $900 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's Mary Poppins. It's only made $264 million. Ooh. I mean, maybe it'll get some awards love. Like, it's, there's been conversations about that, but I, thought, I don't know. I don't know why you really go forward with this again. I mean, I haven't as, even seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either. Like, I, none of my family have seen it. I think my, mom, I think my mom has seen it. Yeah, maybe. I've spoken to no one who has seen this movie. So that makes sense. And if they're going to go forward with a sequel, maybe they're just anticipating. Um, masterful DVD sales and they'll put it on I mean, their streaming probably. service. I don't know. But like this movie is like not going to go from $260 million at the box office to then get like a best picture nomination at the Oscars and like the best case scenario to then like, oh, catapulting it to $500 plus million at the box office. Like That's just not going to happen. No. So like this movie's got topping out around 300 probably or somewhere in that area because it's not probably getting to four. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, what's like the huge, like this movie had like $130 million production budget. So like there's not like a ton of gain here for Disney. But right. heck, when you make two movies like Infinity War, Black Panther, that make you over a billion dollars. Like I think you can kind of just go do as many Mary Poppins movies as you want, I guess. Uh, but then we also got rewarded this week from Variety that the Minecraft movie that's long been in development at Warner Brothers finally has a new director, that being Peter Solette, the director of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Uh, we also got some plot details about it as well, that it will follow a teenage girl and her group of adventurers who, after the malevolent Ender Dragon sets out on a path of destruction, must save their beautiful, blocky overworld. So, interesting. This is a live-action movie. I have a gut feeling that since it's Warner Brothers, after Godzilla King of Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong, Millie Bobby Brown is going to be the lead of this movie, and her directed by Peter Solette. Uh, I feel like that's a good pairing if my hypothetical movie comes to be. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown would be perfect for it. She's been cast for it? No. That's no. just oh, okay. that's just like Shoot. when it happened. I was, I was like, like, I was wow. like this, is like, I feel like this just makes sense. I think so too, especially if she's, she's going to star. She's going to be like the new teenage, I mean, just go-to person, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know about a Minecraft movie. Oh, no, me neither. I don't really care for the movie. But no. I, read, I read there's 91 million active users a month on Minecraft. Which is insane to me, but it also is like, oh, I, I understand why you're making this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's an audience you're trying to capture, but man, I feel like it's like the Assassin's Creed audience. I'm not going to show up. But then again, I mean, I would have thought a Lego movie probably wasn't the best idea either, and then turned out great. Please so maybe, maybe Minecraft, similar concepts, e. So maybe we'll get there. We'll uh, see. Then Deadline repealed, uh, repealed reported that Craig Brewer will direct the Coming to America sequel uh, that is currently in development. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, and more will all return to star in the sequel, uh, which is going to be about Akeem, Eddie Murphy's character, learning of a long-lost son that is in America, and he has to go find to see if he is a fit heir to the Zamunda throne. Lots of things happening here. Whoa. All I heard was James Earl Jones. Yeah. And I haven't seen any Murphy in forever. Where is that guy? Doing like comedy specials, I think. Maybe? Coming back to America, I suppose. Yeah. He's coming to number two America. That's obviously the title. It's got to happen. I was thinking about this, and I agreed with you at the start of the show, or before, off You air. don't anymore? But, I mean, how do you distinguish in vocal between the two? I don't know. Be like saying Halloween... 2018. Exactly. Quotes. So you, you say do. coming to America 
2018? It would be like 2021 or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Point. Yeah. But, but, but no. 20, not even 2019. Yeah. So uh, I haven't seen the movie. Apparently people love it. Yeah. It's like Trading Spaces level good. But I haven't seen Trading Spaces either. So uh, No. Coming to America is better than Trading Places. Whoa. Some people regard Trading Places as like the greatest movie of all time. What? Who are these people? Uh, I don't know. Pod Save America bros. I don't know. Okay. Seems pretty straightforward to me, but I'll need to watch it. I love Dan. Oh, it it was on Netflix. Maybe it's still there. I don't know. Anyways, last story of the day. Variety repealed. I did it again. Reported that Ark Markham and Matt Holloway will rewrite the Masters of the Universe movie uh, also at Sony. Um, the duos previously did the Iron Man movie, the first one for Marvel, and then they just rewrote Men in Black International for Sony as well. So they're obviously favorites of the studio. Okay. Don't really have that much interest in a Masters of the Universe movie at this point. The directors, I don't know them. Aaron yeah. and Adam Nee. These, these writers, good. Men in Black looks like really fun. But, I mean, I need to know a lot more. I need to know cast. I need to know see a trailer before I get way too excited about Master Universe. Yeah, same here. Like, the characters aren't anything that I um, care about. And these aren't directors that I really know so much. They have some credits here, but they're nothing I've seen before. So, it's all a mystery except for <laughs> Skeletor and He-Man and... Whoever else is a master of the universe. She-Ra? Is She-Ra a master I of the think, universe? I think so. Yes. I think she's in those movies. She's also got a universe. Netflix series She does. Now? Animated. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I've heard great things. I haven't watched it. Um, but that's all we have. That's it. Mm-hmm. No more Master Universe talk. We're going to talk about the end of this episode and what we're going to be reviewing next week, which is Glass. The end of this M. Night Shyamalan trilogy. Started with Unbreakable. Came back with Split in 2016. And now it's coming to an end. Reviews have not been great, but I am still very excited for this movie. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, yeah, we will see. It's apparently, it doesn't live up to what the trailer show. So. Apparently, there's a twist, obviously. <gasps> there's how the third act plays out. It seems like that's like the, the where it could lose people or where it does lose people, I guess. Mm. We'll see if we buy in or not. Tune in next week, but also go check the movie out so then you guys can listen to our whole episodes and our spoiler talk and everything about it. You mean there's an M. Night Shyamalan movie out there that's not straightforward? Of course And not. throws a wrench at I you know, somewhere in the middle? It's big breaking news of 2019. Wow. He's, he's really changing it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, too, people were like, I did not see this twist coming at all. Or like, there's a twist in it. So unexpected. And I'm like, who, who did you forget whose movie yeah, this was? This is the guy who's like, uh, I don't want to give away any of his, his twists. In, yeah, well, his entire, so many. his entire filmography is, here's a thing, it's not what you think. Or, yep. here's a thing, here's what it is. Oh, not what you think. Trick, trick. Gotcha. Right, yeah. We almost got it, like that Dollar Bill Geico commercial. Or yeah. <laughs> almost got it. Almost there. Uh, right. Yeah. And then we'll also be back later this week with a big question, a new one for the first time in like a month, because mm-hmm. uh, we just had the MCU rankings, but we also didn't have time some other weeks or didn't have any ideas. But now, we're going to talk about Star Wars 9, what we want to see about it, because Josh has an important announcement he'll make on that episode about Star Wars 9. Uh, yeah, I really hope I stick with it. <laughs> no, it's, I'll, it is, I, it'll be interesting to see if you can. It is New Year's resolution related. Yeah. So tune in on Wednesday to hear that uh, big question, his resolution, and then our Star Wars 9 hopes and dreams. Um, but if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet more. Then head to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoyed listening to the show. 
Uh, and then be sure to tell us your thoughts on anything covered by Tweets Out from this film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our review of Glass. <laughs>